being an artist is such a wonderful gift in life because you get to be an engineer, you get to be an architect, um, you get to be a cook, a chef. <laughs> it depends on what project you're going to work on, right? Welcome to the Pixel Paper Podcast, a series where we get to know the creative processes behind up-and-coming digital artists. My name is Noor, graphic designer and work-in-progress artist, and I'll be your host for this series. Today, we have the bowl of sunshine that is Jillian Galang, a Filipina freelancer who shares many insider tips on how to improve your art, and she also includes a lot of artist references as well as tutorials and book recommendations. Please note that in today's episode, the audio is a little bit messed up on both sides of the conversation. So please forgive me for that error, but nonetheless, I do hope you will be able to listen well. So sit back, get comfy and enjoy. Hi, Julian, how are you? Hello, so far I'm doing great. How are you so far? I'm good, thank you. For the benefit of our audience, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Jillian. I'm a freelance artist for backgrounds and illustration. I'm from the Philippines. I'm 22 years old and I live by the mountains. Like when I look at the window, there's a mountain. <laughs> and I like playing, reading mangas and watching movies. So yeah. <laughs> and I graduated with an advertising degree. So jumping to a freelance um Freelance occupation right now is a bit risky, but it was fun because I really want to work in the animation industry. So yeah, that's what you need to know about me. What what interested you in animation from doing being an art major? Mm, I think it started back in college where I'm not really sure what I want to do. At first, I thought I wanted to do graphic design or just have a job in the advertising agency. But then I realized that I want to do something else. I want to draw. So then when it was our second year in college, there's this English prof that gave us a homework to do an essay about what we want to do in our life. So I went to the library and discovered art books, like the art from the movies, like concept art for this specific movie and animation art. And I was like, wow, I can get a job for this? Like, I was really super interested. <laughs> it was the most fun homework I did for a minor subject. And the prof was like, oh, you're so good at this. And I'm like, what, really? Oh, I want to do it now. <laughs> and that's, where the t- that's when the time I decided to do it. And I also discovered a conference for the entertainment industry that's being held here. Um, it's called Icon Manila. Right now, I'm happy that they're going online for this event. And when I go to that event back then, physically, without the pandemic happening, I was like, wow, this is such a cool world to work on. And yeah, I think that's the thing that inspired me. It's like just looking at the art books at the library. And I really want to pursue that kind of job someday. So yeah, so far. That's great. I hope you can Thanks. in the future. Thank you. Ah, thank you so much. Actually, I'm applying to studio jobs at the moment. And I'm hoping that, yeah, I have, I'll have that break soon, I believe. I hope so. Maybe you can even send them this podcast. Oh, that's actually a cool idea. Like, hello, hire me. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I followed your art because of how bold your art is. I noticed in particular mm-hmm. your landscapes, your brush strokes are very visible. So how did you mm-hmm. develop your style to get where it is now? I think it's how I did back in college because we we dis- we explore a lot of techniques and other types of art mediums. Like we did a lot of stuff not just paint on canvas but we did a lot of sculpture um, photography packaging design so on so far it's actually a bit overwhelming at first because you're doing a lot of things but it's fun because you get to explore a lot of different types of art and seeing your work in a different medium is like oh i can do this and then you're like no i can't do this <laughs> so yeah something like that it's actually fun because i get to discover what i really want to do like for example there's watercolor painting and i discovered that i really want to do it it's fun and then there's oil i hated it <laughs> like it's a tough medium for me and but i i'm willing to relearn it and actually years later i discovered that oil can be used for like water if there's an oil-based water, something like that. And I was like, what? Oil like that exists? <laughs> so yeah, I think my art and my style came from my experiences in life as well. Like um, just looking at the textures of the concrete buildings here or the road, <laughs> just observing texture in nature in general, like the tree trunks and the flowers, the flora patterns. Well, that's that's where I got the inspiration from it. <laughs> and I think my style also developed from it. Like there are times that my imagination warps them in some sort of way. Like there's also a time that I also like I mentioned um I mean I mentioned back then that I study art books, right? So after observing them, I got to like gain the skill of morphing in my imagination. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just looking at this house, then I imagine its shapes being changed. So I think that's where I got it. And I think that's where I developed it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And your colors as well, they're super saturated and they kind of have like a magical feel to them. So what influences your color palette? I think it's my energy in general. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> my friends are saying that you're a loud person, but you're all so hyper. And I'm like, oh, I think I am. <laughs> I'm actually one of the loudest people in class. Like, I always get excited at things that I really want to do. And then there are times that I love the color of the sky for some reason. There are times that I appreciate the golden R and the blue R. The blue hour came after the golden hour. Then I'm like, well, this color palette, I mean, I think this combination can be used for something. So that's where I think I got my loud colors. And I think it's also the part where I used coloring pencils back then. There was a time that my friend gifted me a coloring pencil set that I always wanted. It's Prismacolors. So it's an oil-based coloring pencil and the colors they were so vibrant like I want to eat the pencil (laughs) and yeah I think that's where I got my colors and I think I'm just not really much of a fan of muted colors or a bit of other palettes in general because I want my paintings to be as loud as ever like if you see this it it makes you feel like you're drinking orange juice or something (laughs) so yeah and I think I got most of my color inspirations from my favorite artists 
there's a lot. So I'm going to look at my script <laughs> and and say their name one by one. So it's Laura Price, Marco Bucci, Eric Cho, Chichi Romero, Nathan Faust. Oh, Nathan Faust. I'm just <laughs> I attended his webinar a few weeks ago and seeing him paint live was so happy for me. A happy feeling. Like I feel like. I'm seeing my master doing such amazing job. Um, I'm taking inspiration or something. And then Zacharias, well, I actually met his art at Icon Manila. So seeing him do a demo was like, wow, this is so cool. I want to do that too. And then um, Armand Serrano, um, he's the one who organized Icon Manila. And I mean, his wife, I mean, his family. Okay, his family organized it. And actually, the one thing cool about Icon Manila is most of its proceeds will go to their charity movements and they update what they do with the money. So it's like helping the community as well and learning from it. It's such a cool event. So yeah. And Brittany Lee, I love her use of shapes. Um, Hugh Tao, Tommy Kim. James Gurney, oh my god, James Gurney. I'm such a fan of him. Like, girl, oh my god, I'm crying because he's such a cool person who just paints everywhere. And that's such gold. <laughs> like, when I'm watching his videos, I'm like, sir, I want to meet you someday. Can I be your apprentice or something? <laughs> something like that. And then John Singer Sargent, Edgar Payne. Gustave Quint, Mary Blair, Ivan Earl, and Joaquin Sorella. I think I forgot to add Fernando Amarsolo. He's actually a national artist here in the Philippines. And I think his paintings also influence my work because his colors are so bright and cheerful. I really love the mood he depicts on his paintings. And I just love the flow of the figures that he did and his environments and trees. It's really nice to look at it. So yeah, I think that's how I developed my colors <laughs> so far. I think the magical touch, I got it from Eric Cho and Chichi Romero. I, um, Chichi Romero is actually the longest artist that I followed since I was a kid. Like, I think I'm 11. <laughs> I discovered her at Tumblr and she does chibi art. Until now, she does really cute art. And that inspired me to like add magic to my own works. So it's really nice. And I think I want to recommend James Gurney's book titled Color and Light. Like, I want to eat that book. Seriously, it's a color Bible. <laughs> like, it's really fun to read it. Like, you it's a guide for every color situation and shadow and lighting that you want to achieve in your painting. So yeah, <laughs> I think I need to relearn that again because I want to enhance my color, light and shadow skills for it. And Nathan Fox's book, of course, How to Paint Landscapes Quickly and Beautifully in Watercolor and Gouache. Hey, I have to admit, I haven't finished reading this book, <laughs> but I really love seeing this process there. And it actually made me paint in gouache like it inspired me to do traditional paintings right now so i'm trying to um bring back my traditional painting skills because i know it'll help along the way so yeah so mm -hmm. far that's it <laughs> okay yeah that's really cool i think you mentioned so many artists i think that's really really amazing <laughs> what have you i'm interested to know what you've learned from gouache which you're using in your digital paintings at the moment so actually when I first touched it, I was a very impatient person. Like, 
okay, I'm just gonna splat paint here, brush it like that. And I was like, no, it's not turning the way I wanted. I was so impatient, like, I hated this. <laughs> but then I learned from Angela Song that you should be patient with yourself and that painting takes time. So I'm like, okay, I'm taking myself time and I want to build the patience for it because I'm not actually an impatient person. So what I actually did was I painted slowly, which is I'm not really used to because I'm used to painting an hour or 30 minutes, something like that. So I also learned from a friend that I should treat it as watercolor because it, gouache is like the baby of acrylic and watercolor. Since I have a background of painting watercolor and acrylic back then, I began to reconstruct my brain and like, okay, I'm going to paint this in watercolor and acrylic. <laughs> I was really like, I don't know what I'm doing. So what I did was I treated like watercolor. So you do flat washes first, then you lessen the water of your gouache to turn it into acrylic. So you do it layer by layer. So you paint from back to front, not front to back. So what I discovered from that process is it's actually much quicker than painting from front to back, which I'm like used to because I did a lot of digital paintings. So when I discovered that technique, it's like such a blessing in my life. Like it's a hack. <laughs> so I think that's what I learned from gouache and making textures from it, like how I paint in like merging, hatching, shadings, um, scribbling shadings and just doing some strokes. It's really fun. Like I'm enjoying gouache right now. And hope I'm hoping that next year I do it every day. <laughs> so yeah, it's really fun. Like there are times I want to eat the paint, but I know that's not possible. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think that's cool. Can you take us through the process of creating a final illustration from concept to finish piece? Okay, so since I have two processes, it depends. So I'm sharing the first one, which is I do for studies and digital planners. So I do color blockings first, like big shapes to small shapes. Then because of that technique, I learned it from Marco Bucci from his YouTube channel that you should focus on drawing the bigger shapes first before drawing the smaller ones. Because you need to like build up your artwork first before finishing it right like you don't need to zoom that much because if you zoom a lot you'll just focus on that area and not the painting as a whole so you need to focus on it as a whole so I find that process much quicker because you got to construct it quickly and if you want to do something like a 30 minute or just a 10 minute study you can do it quickly by just doing that type of process like big shape to small shapes so for, for my second process, which is conceptual pieces, it actually depends as well, because there are times that I want to sketch a plan, like a compositional sketch, or do my research first. So I can actually do sketch, then mood boards and research, then final the final piece. So when I'm at the final piece, I also do color blockings, then big shapes to small shapes again. But I also do some adjustments like um, adjusting the curves, the color and saturation. So yeah, and I think I refer a lot to the mood board I made, which is filled with references because I want my piece to be like 
heavy reference heavy as much as possible like i don't want to rely on instinct at the moment because i want my piece to be believable than like something that doesn't feel like real like i need to make it feel like it's a real world right so yeah i think that's what that's my process for it so uh-huh. yeah yeah that's cool because sometimes some people think reference is like cheating so i think it's nice you said that I actually used to think that <laughs> like back in like when I was a kid I'm like no references are cheating but if you study master paintings like the for example um Joaquin Sorolla and Edgar Payne their paintings are based in real life references and I think a lot of master painters do it like they base it all from references and just add their own flair to it by conceptually thinking how they will edit the painting so they make it look like a new world for you to step in but it's still believable like you're stepping into something real like you haven't seen it before so yeah references is actually so much help for an artist so and actually it's a bit hard to train yourself to be reference oriented because I struggled with it back then. <laughs> I'm not really that person who loves references. I'm like, no, I want to draw what I want. And no, you need references. It's going to make your artworks um, more beautiful than you ever think of. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I noticed as well, like, um, if, for example, you have a reference photo, the colors you use are a lot mm-hmm. different to what's in the photo in real life. So how do you know which colors to use, for example? Like, for example, um, the wall color in real life might be like white, but you use purple mm-hmm. or pink or something. Mm, actually, I don't know what I'm doing at the time. <laughs> That's the honest answer. But what I do is, I think it's based from the artist I'm looking to. Like I'm inspired by how they use not just white, but a lot of different kinds of white. So there's like, a time that I want to experiment myself so I what I do is I do a color like I base it from the color wheel and guide and let the color wheel guide me so it's a complementary scheme it's what I'm doing so if I want this piece to pop up like it's still white but <laughs> it's not that really white I and so I base it from the color of the sky so the sky is blue right and it creates bluish shadows. So what I do is, okay, so I want to do like a yellow-white this time. So the white will be more powerful than the blue. So the shadows will be blue. So that's what I do. And I and I make a lot of yellow, uh, different kinds of yellows or what complements the yellow and add it there. So yellow, right? Violet. So I just add a bit of white violet to it. I don't know what name of that white violet is i'm just calling it white violet <laughs> i suck at color names yeah i think it's lavender <laughs> so yeah that's what i do and then after that i actually do final adjustments to make that white pop up even more yeah so how you mentioned like you prefer to do paintings in like 30 minutes or an hour but how long does the process normally take you if you're doing like let's say a research piece Mm, it can take me days (laughs) it actually depends like how hard I want to do the piece like there are times that last year I did a design of a background of a background team for my portfolio 
and that took me like a week because I was planning as architecture. I want it to be like, you know, when you see it, you'll know its culture, you'll know its mood, its time, its history, its story. And that's really hard for me because I'm still learning it. Like I want to achieve that kind of skill because I really want to be a designer than just an artist who like draws. So it usually takes me a lot of time if I'm doing conceptual pieces. But there are times that it usually takes me like an hour if I'm like, this is just a plan. So I'm just going to sketch it and I'll um, I think I'll improve it later on. So yeah, I think the most... the most longest time for it is a week so Mm. yeah yeah I I like that you mentioned you want to be a designer over an artist so what's the difference to you so if you're an artist you're like you can just draw whatever you want right like without worrying about design um if you want to be a designer you're like focusing on you want to design compositions on your works You want to design shapes on your works. You want to design strokes, mood, color, and light. So if you're an... Um, I think the difference of the artist and a designer is that the artist just draws and then the designer thinks, like, how will they draw it in this type of way? So I think that's the difference for it. Yeah. But I think some artists are actually designing their works unconsciously. So if you'll notice that their compositions, even though the composition is simple, I think it has a design already. So yeah, I think a lot of artists are designers and a lot of them are heavy or unconsciously designing. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And maybe there's not so much difference between them, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of different artists before, like that you're inspired by. So How do you use that inspiration in your work? And what else are you inspired by in life? (laughs) Okay, so actually what I do is I take what I like from their works. Like, oh, I like her shading. I'm taking it. (laughs) Oh, I like her coloring. I'm taking it. So after taking them, I'm like modifying it into my own. But I got that idea from them. And I think I'm making my own style from them because I'm inspired from them. And so I'm not really taking full credit of my style that I made this as a whole because I know that a lot of artists are inspired by a lot of things. So nothing is original, but everything is unique in that type of way. So you start to build like if you have a lot of artists that inspires you, that's really great because you're not making a copy like you're not turning into another artist that inspired you because what I notice about the art world sometimes like there are people who want to be like this artist this type of artist and that's kind of bad but it's okay if you if you're just starting and you're just discovering yourself and I think what I want is I want to be unique I don't want to be like oh you look like this kind of artist oh you look like this kind of other artist I want to be oh you're that artist like you're known to like use colors in this way use shadows in this way and I want that so yeah I mean just combine a lot from my inspirational artists and I combine from my life experiences like what I mentioned that I observe textures in real life and yeah I think that's what inspired me and what built me when you're speaking it reminds me of the book Still Like an Artist 
by Austin Kleon. Have you read it? I actually love that book. Yeah. I love that book. <laughs> yeah, I think you really fit like that book perfectly. Like you definitely still like an artist. Actually, that book is um, really great for artists to read because you'll gain a lot of skills just reading it and applying what you learn from it. So I, <laughs> it's actually years since I last read it. I need to read it again. So what I le- what I remember learning is that we steal a lot of ideas and combine it to make it as unique. So that's really cool. Like if you if, like if you make a painting and you use a lot of references, then you're making a new one, but in a unique way and not in an original way. So it's really cool. Like, okay, I'm gonna recommend this book to a lot of people again. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. It is really good, definitely. I want to ask, what softwares do you use to paint? I actually use Photoshop and Clip Studio Paint. Um, I rarely use it right now, the Clip Studio Paint, because my screen is a bit small for it. But I find Clip Studio Paint to be more convenient than Photoshop, like in terms of being artist friendly. But I think I've been using Photoshop for years now, so that's why I can really let it go. (laughs) So yeah, like there's this fine line that Photoshop can do also graphics than Clip Studio Paint. It's what I noticed, like, I haven't done graphics in Clip Studio Paint, so I have no opinion about it. But I think Photoshop and Clip Studio Paint are really good softwares for artists. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Yeah. I notice you also use heavy paint sometimes, right? Yeah, I, oh, I forgot about that. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I use heavy paint. Um, It's still in its demo. <laughs> like I haven't bought the actual one. I think I'm going to buy it soon. Um, What I love about heavy paint is that it feels like a traditional painting, but in a digital way. That's what I love about it. Like, well, oh my God, I'm, I'm like painting in traditionally, but digital. But what I love about it, it's like, it's, actually a different type of art software i just really love it like i love painting in a different way <laughs> so yeah that's great it's fun uh-huh. and you. speaking of traditional you mentioned obviously gouache before so what other physical art techniques do you do and how does that help you in your digital art i think i used to do um ink drawings back then like back in first year and second year college i was known to be that pen girl who does quick pen sketches like i can do this in a few minutes and so on so on so i think my what happened there is that after learning colors i abandoned that skill and i just started hating line art in general yeah (laughs) but i think what i love about it is that i learned how to put details on my work and put how to do shadows so it's really a nice skill and I'm trying to learn it again it's kind of hard after doing digital for a long time like going back to the traditional roots it's kind of hard but it's fun because you're like going to be a beginner again and relearning the medium so um, besides um, pen I actually do pencil so I just what I do right now is that I do strokes and just smudge them. Like I just draw lines and circles. <laughs> I draw random shapes for fun. I also do it in pen. Like I, um, there's this thing I did a few weeks ago. I did a study of Wassily Kandinsky's shapes. It's really fun because his abstract work and 
shape language are so funky and fun to look at. So <laughs> I really want to like learn how to design those type of shapes and apply it to my dream job someday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's really nice. Thank I mean, you. I completely understand what you said about the line art because I started out doing urban sketching. So I would sketch from real life. And then oh. I got into painting and I just stopped sketching. So I really miss it actually. So yeah, I think it's it's good to go back to it, definitely. Yeah, like I think doing line art, I mean of <laughs> pen sketches in general, um, it can be fun and therapeutic in a way because well I'm doing lines then <laughs> when you add um actually when I was doing ink sketches back then I was like I can't even color I hate colors but then when I learn colors I'm like I can't even do line art anymore I hate it <laughs> it's fun it was funny <laughs> like I didn't expect that I'll learn that <laughs> but I think I applied some of my pen techniques in my digital works like um, doing a lot of lines sometimes but in different colors so that it doesn't look like a line art because if it does I'm like no, I'm not going to do this. I hate oh, it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. You do a lot of quick sketches. So how do you make your artwork look finished in like 30 or 40 minutes? Oh my God. I think that took me years. <laughs> like I started doing the quick sketches way back. Um, Wait, I'm doing a flashback scenario here. <laughs> I think I started way back 2015 where I discovered this group called Daily Speed Paints where you draw certain scenarios or art in general in just 30 minutes. So after seeing that group, I'm like, people can do this in 30 minutes? It looks like a photo. (laughs) I was really scared back then. Like, how can they do this? And one of the rules in that um, challenge is that you don't need to you you're not allowed to use textured brushes or like that photo type of brushes and if you're gonna search a reference it's going to be counted to the 30 minutes and I can't believe people can do that and from their imagination like I know references are important but it's also important to build your visual library so you just need to look at a lot of references in order to build that kind of image right so I I started doing that a lot like I since it's I'm busy at schoolwork, I just do one a week, and I'm like, oh, I can finish a 30 minute art, but it doesn't look that much finished as the ones in the group. Like they're monsters, they're they're really good. <laughs> I'm really scared back then, but also amazed that, well, I can I think I can do that someday. So when I I reach that level, I'm like super happy because it took me a lot of time, but I think what I learned from it to do it quickly is that you need to um, do the big shapes and small shapes technique and don't zoom that much. And I think I can also share something what Nathan said in his book that you look for the simple statement like what captured you to do this type of image? So is it the lighting or the ground? Any element. So there are times that I love the building, like I do it in, I think I did that in an R because I just really love drawing the building's details. So what I did back then was I turned the reference so small, like I think it's around three by six inches. And then I also um, let unzoom my art, make it small, but the file is still big, like it's an A4. And I think that made me help paint the image more quicker and 
what I also learned from Aiko Manila is you need to be quick at making decisions. So I'm like, okay, I really need to develop the skill of painting something quickly. I also learned that in the game industry, I have this friend who works there and he can do a full rendered character design in less than an hour. It was so cool. Like, wow, I want to do that. I want to be that quick. So yeah, like you need to do it daily or just if you're busy, you can do it weekly and you need to be consistent with it like critic yourself like how can I make this how can I draw this quicker how do I make it lifelike so I think those are the tips for it and how do I um, turn the shape simple but make it feel rendered I, I think what of my techniques is just doing two kinds of shading like I think I use a textured brush to do just two colors on one object and then they look real, <laughs> kind of like that. And yeah, just have fun with it. Like, don't feel pressured. Like, I know it's pressuring to do a tournament artwork. Like, that's what happened to me in the first time. But what I do is that I, my timer is usually just playing music for 30 minutes. And if that music ends, then it's time to stop drawing it. Or I'm, I'm watching a series that's 30 minutes long. So yeah. You also do character drawings as well as landscapes. So how do you find that these two differ and which one do you prefer? I think I prefer landscape <laughs> more than character in general because um, it's like the pen and color story. Like I used to draw characters back then, but after learning landscapes and environment art, I'm like, nah, I don't want to do character anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> but what I really think is fun is that if I'm stressed about environments, I can do character. Or if I'm stressed about characters, I can do environment. It's really a fun thing to work on. Like, I have this hobby of, oh, like, wait, what's your hobbies? I'm like, I can draw characters. That's a hobby? Yes. <laughs> it's funny. Like, it's really cool. Like, oh, yeah, it's my hobby is to draw characters. And I'm like, but you're an artist. You can draw yeah, I drew backgrounds for a living. So drawing characters is a hobby. <laughs> but, but the difference for them, I think, is the form. Like a character is a human or a creature, right? And the environment is a wide world. <laughs> I actually remembered what I said to my friend back then. Like she was like, it's hard to draw backgrounds for me. How do you do it? And I was like, oh, you just stretch out your character and it will turn into a background or a landscape. <laughs> and that's, I think that's what I said. And it's funny. But yeah, like they're both fun to work on. It's just that I think I did different executions to them. That's why they look different sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> wow, cool. That's really nice. I love that Thank quote. You. Like just stretch out a character <laughs> and you get a background. Yeah. That's what I noticed, like, for example, you want to draw a beach. Why not just put two arms there and change their color? <laughs> you have a beach, right? <laughs> I wanted to ask as well, um, you, you want to get into animation. So is this like you're doing the animation or you're just doing the backgrounds for animation? No, actually, I want to do background paintings for a series or visual development for feature films. So I actually haven't released my concept art, what that I'm really working on at the moment. I'm working on a portfolio for like my original story to apply it to certain studios. Like what I do there is props design, um, backgrounds design, um, designing their rooms, their characters. So 
yeah, I haven't posted it because I'm scared that I might not finish that project. <laughs> but I actually did it last year. Um, it's a local story titled Doña Jerónima. It's um, a story by our national artist writer named Nikokian. Um, I, I love that story because it fuses the Filipino and Spanish culture. Um, I think what struggled me in creating that project is how to how do I combine those cultures and make it feel real. So I want to work on that. And I think in the animation industry, you're problem solving some designs, right? Like, for example, how do you design this in this way to make it look believable? How do you design this to show its story, its culture? So I really want to gain that skill. And because I really want to be that designer that who knows how to tell a story in props or artworks in general. So yeah, um, I think I'll share what I'm working on soon on my art page. Um, right now I can't <laughs> because I really want to finish that project and I don't want to cram it. So I'm taking it slowly, but my deadline is this year. So I hope to finish it soon. But yeah, what I'm sharing online is a lot of backgrounds, right? Because I actually want to be a background painter soon in the animation industry. And I think it's a fun job to work on. like. Ooh, when like your um the show you're working on is aired, and I'm like I painted that background. I'm super proud. I want that feeling. I really want to feel that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'd love to see that project soon. Whenever you're ready to release it, that sounds really interesting. What does your art mean to you, and how does it affect your life? Okay, so um for me, art means expression, imagination, and the own artist world. You get to see how an artist interprets and sees the world through their artworks, and you also get to step into their worlds by just seeing their works. So, like, um, it's fun that you're seeing their imagination, their creativity. And I think being an artist in this kind of life is like you're making your own world that no one ever does, right? So you're sharing it by making artworks. And I think it feels really special when someone appreciates your work. Like, oh my God, this art, you made this? And and you're going to be like, yeah. And then they'll be like, I really love it. And you're going to cry. <laughs> because that's really something that's rewarding to be an artist. And I think when I was an artist at an early age, um, it actually affected me a lot because... Um, my family believe that being an artist in this country is a bit hard. Like, you'll earn nothing. <laughs> like, I don't know if it, it exists in other countries, but if you're an artist here, like, oh, okay. If, but if you're an artist here, it's like, you'll have no money there. You should be an engineer, a doctor, or like, just the science science um, careers. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want to I be a painter or <laughs> an artist in general. And then I actually, actually their um, advice of not me being an artist gave me a spite to be one. And it's drive me to actually learn a lot of things. And what I discovered is that being an artist is such a wonderful gift in life because you get to be an engineer as well in here. If you're going to design um, specific buildings or specific props, you get to be an engineer. You get to be an architect, um, you get to be a cook, a chef. <laughs> it depends on what project you're going to work on, right? And I think it's a really fun career. Like, actually, that part of engineer architect thing, I got it from Sir Armand Serrano. 
he's he's actually an engineer graduate and he became an artist so he shared that well if you're an artist you'll also wear the hats of the architect engineer he was like that because you're designing real stuff for a movie and series right so yeah you're i think being an artist is make showing your world to a lot of people and i'm happy that there are a lot of artists because you get to see a lot of worlds so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really nice i really like that idea of if you're an artist you can be more thing it's kind of like an actor you know like you get to play multiple roles i i actually like um i want to share this part where i learned about bao um do you know the short movie bao um no. it's Is about it? a mother okay um and she has a child that is a dumpling okay it's a really cute short film uh-huh. i know i know the title is bao <laughs> i remember it so yeah bao is um, b-a-o yeah b-a-o yeah. Okay. so it's a story about letting your child go uh-huh. so what's the what's the stuff i love about it is that the artist learned how to make dumplings so that they can apply it to the movie. It's really cute. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I, I think you should watch it. It's one of the most emotional short films that Disney made that I cried in the theater. <laughs> it's actually a lovely one. So let's mm-hmm. move to the last question, which is... Oh, no. <laughs> remember a time you were stuck in a deep creative rut? How did you break mm-hmm. free? Okay, so... I just talked to this to a friend yesterday, so I think my answer will be different from the script. So, um, I think what happened to me this year is I'm experiencing art plateau than art burnout. So the difference with burnout is that you can't do anything, right? Like you're just not in the mood to draw. But plateau thing is actually a good and a bad feeling at the same time. Um, experiencing this means that you don't really appreciate what you're doing right now, that you think you're not improving or you're just not that good enough. It's kind of like an imposter syndrome type of thing. But my friend Atemini told me that I think you're just experiencing art plateau. It means that you're critiquing your art better, like you're having this critical thinking that you know where to improve. And that's like self-reflection, right? Like, you know what to work on, what to improve on. And I think this is also a sign that you need to take things slow so you don't be harsh on yourself. And yeah, um, I forgot to mention um, Atinini. She's Dolly Candy on Instagram. She's actually a watercolor painter. And I actually learned a lot from her. She's actually one of my mentors who helped me improve my art. Um, so she advised me to study again, like read books, do master studies, um, observe artists, and just be slow for myself. Like I don't need to be that harsh or hard, so so that I can improve. And I, after that, I think it took me like three months to feel that way. Like I really don't know how to deal with it. So I'm happy that she helped me get through it. So. What I did is that I learned art, um, I think, for an hour or as much as I can. I actually read books for like 30 minutes. Then after that, I play games and just observe the game I'm playing. I'm actually playing Zelda's Breath of the Wild, and I just observe the environment. I'm like, oh, I can actually do this kind of lighting. Um, I can apply this to my painting someday. So I think just doing other things besides art as well, like, laundry, cooking, watching movies, or playing games, or just living 
will help you get out of that um, creative rut because life inspires you to become an artist, right? So you need to go back to living so that it can give you that inspirational power to make your works again. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's my answer to it. Like, um, I learned it from the movie Pixar Soul. I learned from that movie that you shouldn't be, like, you shouldn't dedicate your life to one object. Like, I know it's going to be heartbreaking. Like, okay, you want to focus on just art. That's going to be bad. You need to focus on living in every aspect because that will make you happy as a person. And I think that will also help you become a better artist. I also learned from Lightbox Expo last year that you need to take care of yourself as much as you do art because health is well, right? So if you want to be a better artist, you need to be good at taking yourself. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, that was beautiful. I think you, that's a really good answer. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> so that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much, Jillian. It was a pleasure talking thank to you. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, I'm really happy talking right now. And I'm, I'm yeah, glad. I hope you learn a thing or two from me. Yes, I <laughs> learned really so happy. much. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Like, it's really a very nice opportunity and really a happy weekend for me as well. I hope this was a useful episode for you. And I'm sure you took something away from Jillian's many pieces of advice. Thanks for listening to the pilot season of the Pixel Paper podcast. I was actually planning on just keeping season one six episodes only, but because of the feedback and because of my experience in doing this podcast, I thought why not just continue with season one, but we will have a short break, so about two weeks before the next podcast episode airs. But until then, I hope you can sit tight and thank you so much for all the love and support that you have shown thus far in supporting this podcast. Thank you so much and I'll see you in a few weeks. Bye!